Hello and welcome to the Security DNA Podcast produced by SecurityInfoWatch.com. I'm John Dauberstein, Managing Editor of Security InfoWatch and host of this podcast. The editors here at Security InfoWatch plan to utilize this podcast to provide detailed, actionable information of value to security professionals. This will include industry news, trends and analysis, technology solutions, policy risk analysis, and management. For our inaugural introductory episode, I have with me my colleague, Steve Lasky, who is Editorial Director for the Security Group at Endeavor Business Media. And without further ado, let's turn it over to Steve so he can introduce the guest for our inaugural Security DNA interview. Take it away, Steve. Thanks, John. I appreciate uh, the uh, intro, and I could not think of a better person to launch our podcast series than uh, my friend and security mentor in this industry for almost three decades, Bob Hayes. Uh, Bob is the managing director of the Security Executive Council. Uh, He is the principal architect and founder of the SEC and has more than 25 years of experience developing security programs and providing corporations with security services and strategic direction to build those programs, including seven years as a CSO at Georgia Pacific and nine years as security operations manager at 3M. And John and, and uh, Bob has been a uh, regular contributor to uh, both uh, Security InfoWatch and Security Technology Executive. Uh, so, Bob, we're happy to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Steve. It's it's truly a pleasure, and I always like your your uh, groundbreaking initiatives. I'm expecting this to be a good one, also. We hope so. Uh, you know, when we you and I talk about security, and we've been in it for almost three decades. Uh, you on the practitioner and mentoring side, and me more on the re- reporting and observation side. Uh, the route you took into corporate security is more of the traditional route. You were uh, in law enforcement for many years and uh, and then uh, got into the corporate side. Tell me a little bit about that transition and your corporate executive experiences, and then we'll talk a little bit about how that molded you into uh, how you've approached uh, your, your, your career since then. Yeah, I, thanks, Steve. I think it, it's, although it's aged and dated a bit like I have, it's still very current to what happens to many people. Now, I was in law enforcement, but my last five years I was in law enforcement training and uh, performance improvement. I ran uh, uh, training for 26 law enforcement agencies in Michigan. And um, the interesting thing was law enforcement and leadership and uh, skills programs were very well developed. I mean, they're much more developed now, but for the time they were well documented, well developed, uh, significant amount of research, number of publications that were writing about it and and advancing it. Um, uh, This was just on the cusp of CALEA, the Certified Law Enforcement Agency's uh, certification happening. 
And, and so when I transferred into security, it, uh, I started five different security programs in different sized companies. First one was a public utility and then a holding company, a privately held holding company, and then a large medical center, and then on to 3M and, and Georgia Pacific. But um, when I got into that, I started to look for the research for the, the how-to books and, and what's good and what's bad. And there was very little. This was well before ASIS's certifications and, and even much documentation on it. Although ASIS started in Detroit in the 50s, it was the people from General Motors, Ford, American Motors, Michigan Bell, uh, uh, Michigan National Bank, a number of key leaders that went on to be presidents of ASIS that uh, were behind that movement. When I got into it, I, I made contact with many of them and found there was little documentation on it. And so I did what, what most people do now. I, I learned by making mistakes, and hence I am extremely qualified because nobody made more mistakes than me. I mean, it was trial and error, and, uh, you know, you could, uh, you learned a lot from vendors, um, and so... It was a, a, a self-learning uh, process that, that was, uh, uh, unfortunately, still very common today. You know, how, how did these positions and the various experiences that you had, successes and failures, uh, shape uh, the philosophy of your strategic approach to unified management and corporate security, which you have carried over in your organization? So talk a little bit about that. Well, I certainly remember the stakes more, the mistakes more than I do the successes. They're usually very painful and stay with you a long time. But uh, um, you know what? What it really amounted to is when you got in the business, whoever you reported into was your mentor or your teacher. And if you got a great one, you learned a lot. And if you got a bad one. Uh, you probably learned more, but it wasn't wasn't necessarily that productive. Um, and I had some of both, you know. But when I got to 3M, um, they had a corporate culture that probably taught me as much as anything I know. They they ran on cross functional teams. You couldn't do anything without coordinating with HR and legal and IT and. Uh, employee relations and, and uh, the business units. And so it gave you a very different perspective of risk because uh, risk was generally the conversation, and I thought we were talking about security risk, but each of those functions manage risk very effectively. Different kinds of risks, but at the end of the day, they're there as risk managers as well to make the companies more successful so HR mistakes aren't made, so legal mistakes aren't made. And uh, uh, that pretty much forced you into what we call unified risk oversight. And uh, uh, it, was, it was really probably the most influential part of my career. I was only there about nine years, but... Uh, um, I learned more about all the other functions of the company um, from really good people and uh, really well-trained and high-performing individuals. And so that was, that was my big growth spurt. And, and, of course, at that time then, I started meeting a lot of the other uh, 
industry leaders uh, in security that worked for other companies. And, and that was a huge boost. That was, that's where I picked up um, uh, a number of people that I really consider my mentors. I think that's when my mentoring started. You know, it's interesting, like I said, that at the beginning is, you know, our relationship goes back to when you were a practitioner and before the SEC was uh, a viable uh, uh, idea uh, that you were pursuing. Uh, But you were mentioning all those things. There was a lack of framework for uh, new uh, security directors and C-level security and risk people. There was a lack of communication uh, and inter, uh, departmental, uh, collaboration. So, you know, when you looked at your vision for the security executive council, when you first put these ideas down on paper, uh, and how you wanted the organization to look, uh, what were, what was your initial, uh, uh, vision of it? Because I remember the initial vision, vision you had was it, you wanted it to be a, a giant, information depository for the security industry. But over the last 10, 15 years, it's morphed into so much more. So explain that journey a little bit. I think now almost everybody's heard of us, and yet very few know all the different things we do. And 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 that really came out of the original research the council was founded on. I was really lucky. I was hired uh, to do research into what the security industry needed Uh, This was right after I left GP and and what the biggest challenges were. And we interviewed security leaders that I had met over the years from all over the world. And we said, what do you need and what are your biggest problems? And and what they wanted, and we asked them what they needed that didn't exist. And they said, we need a research-based organization that studies successful programs and leaders. And... That's what I started looking for in those very first jobs, and it wasn't there. And, of course, it still wasn't, so uh, we're now 75 to uh, 2000. So in 25 years, um, the research had still not occurred on what is a successful security program and what's a successful leader. In fact, there wasn't even agreement on what is a security program huge variations in what different companies, different people call a security program. Fast forward to 2000, uh, we're hearing that we need to create an organization, not just the CSO can belong to, but their staff, their leadership team as well. And they want it research-based and they want it to take on these new challenges, but they wanted it all done by people who had sat in the chair by people who had been security executives, successful ones in companies. And that's where George Campbell and Dick Leffler and Randy Uzel and Steve Howell and a lot of people that I had met over the years, Francis Diodario, and uh, we all got together, uh, Bernie Banahan, and uh, a long list. And we said, you know, this is what the industry says we need. How can we do this? Um, what would we base it on? And, and, and what we decided is if we all put what we knew into the pot as kind of an ante, uh, using the old poker game analogy, uh, that would be a great starting point to learn from. And we called it collective knowledge, that none of us were experts at everything. We were all pretty good at something, 
But uh, when we listened to each other, we found that we had experts at everything. And so we took this collective knowledge, and of course, the first person I hired was a PhD researcher who uh, everyone knows is K2. Her name's Kathleen Kotwicka. And she was the only person that didn't have a security background in the organization. And her spe- she has many, many specialties, but I originally hired her because she had specialties in information architecture, taxonomies, uh, uh, web uh, development and delivery, uh, was very knowledgeable, great writer. And so we set out to document what we knew. And, of course, all I could envision at that time is exactly what you said, Steve. We'll, we'll gather all this stuff together and people will come. <laughs> and and uh, that was partially true, not totally true. But uh, uh, as we started to learn, as we started to, you know, we wrote many articles for you in the magazine. And over the course of time, we've written 500 articles. We've published over 50 books 40,000 people get our free newsletter. Uh, 12,000 people a month come to our site and download the papers and stuff we've done. And uh, they download over 700 items a month. And so uh, that is really where we thought we were going. What we didn't realize is we were learning a lot of things nobody else knew. Uh, George Campbell wrote the first two books on security metrics. And all of a sudden, people said, come help us do build our metrics program. Which is interesting because metrics really was never a part of uh, what uh, security and security departments uh, configured themselves to be. And, you know, C-suites never really expected metrics uh, from security departments. But when uh, folks like George and yourself figured out, hey, if we can we can put a dashboard and a metrics uh, uh, documentations together, we can, you know, help us uh, improve our status with the with the uh, with the with the sea level. And that's exactly it. When we started studying what successful program leaders did, and Dick Leffler and George were two of my uh, most um, uh, stringent <laughs> um, mentors, uh, and I used to take a lot of grief from them, but when we really started studying success, it popped out that they were doing metrics. They could they could quantify the value of what they were doing. They knew uh, they could show how they'd optimized operations, how they'd reduced labor content, improved quality and performance. And so, and, and it was a passion of Georgia's, so it was a, a no-brainer to write the book, which sold almost no copies for six years. It was something nobody was asking for. We were too far ahead, and then all of a sudden, as cyber was starting to come on, the internet was developing, boom, and exploded. And now there's thousands of books on metrics and and even security metrics. So uh, we were way out in front, but by then we documented so much. George, his first book, we documented 200 different um, uh, operational excellence types of metrics. What we, what we learned is there's really five stages of metrics. And we started writing the book at stage two, and we should have started at stage one, which is counting. 
but we started with operational uh, excellence and performance, and then the third stage is value metrics, and then you get predictive and prescriptive metrics. But, um, you know, the industry just wasn't ready for it, and there's still very, very few people that that go beyond value metrics. That's kind of where everybody's trying to get. There's a few uh, leaders out there that have pushed way beyond that, but it was this collective knowledge. Uh, you know, the metrics was a big part of these guys' success. Executive communications and presentations, big part of their success. All the things we've identified, governance, policy, continuous improvement, methodology and documentation, partnerships and collaboration, performance measurement, onboarding and training, quality control, staffing and organizational structure, common words in business, incredibly rare in security uh, uh, in the past. And so what we were really doing was bringing security into the business presence is what it amounted to. And, and that's, you know, uh, kind of segues into my next question. Uh, you know, you've spent a lot of time mentoring and creating career paths for the next generation of security leaders. And uh, they look a little different than uh, they looked when I first got into the industry. And when you started, uh, as you said, we're, most risk and security departments now are looking for business savvy executives that to get in and run their departments. So, you know, when you're looking uh, at what the next generation of security leaders is uh, going to be, uh, how does your team, you and your team, define uh, that profile? What, what, what is the next security leader going to look like in 10 to 15 years? Well, I, I think it's. I don't think it's going to change much. I think it's going to be understood more and demanded more. So the security people aren't doing nearly as bad a job as the business leaders. <laughs> they don't know what security is. You know, everybody's got a different definition. We're way ahead of them. You know, the only business school in the country that teaches anything about security risk is the one we partner with at the University of South Carolina, the Darlamore Business School. So we've got to get the executives up to speed. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, we had one of our clients early on uh, called up and said, hey, how do I teach my people to think strategically? Man, that's a simple question. Very, very difficult answer. And that's where Next Generation Security Leader came out of. We, we, we actually hosted 100 people online around the world, and we had these conversations around how do we teach people to think strategically? What's strategic to you? It's very difficult to think strategically when you're mired up to your neck in tactical and operational problems. And so Next Generation Security Leader came out of the idea of exploring, demonstrating, and analyzing strategic thinking around security issues. And so uh, our first one, very early on, we had over 200 companies around the world online for, I think it was 10 or 12 weeks, one night a week. And we broadcast about, and we had all different security leaders, uh, both faculty and clients, 
uh, our Tier 1 program, and we all got together and collaborated on strategic thinking. And, and that led into it. So I think, what's, I think the two things to answer your question is more people will be able to explain, document, and manage security strategically. And my hope is within the next 10 years that executive management will get it, that, that that'll resonate with them. Now, since COVID, most executives have gotten a PhD in supply chain. <laughs> they, they, they didn't know much about it until COVID came along. And all of a sudden, we got a bunch of supply chain experts. Right now, they've gone back to school for another degree in cybersecurity. And if, if security people are smart, they'll ride on cyber's coattails uh, because management now gets risk related to cyber. What they don't get is cyber is just another way to deliver malicious intent. You know, if I, if I have a kidnapping in, in uh, Colombia, which I did early in my career, and they take somebody and hold them for ransom, that's pretty much the same as capturing your data and holding it for ransom. It's just done via cyber instead of a car, a gun, and, and uh, uh, brute force. And so, you know, I think... If we can talk about security, corporate security as being the malicious intent people, cyber is a delivery methodology where you need a lot of skills to prevent and respond to it, but it's still just a delivery mechanism. Uh, it can also be done uh, via uh, telephone and lots of other things. So what I'm hoping is we're going to be able to get this malicious intent uh, concept out that that's what corporate security is there for is to mitigate malicious intent um, methods that impact the company, whether they're corporate cyber or whatever. But what I absolutely know is what I learned at 3M. Security is no longer a solo sport. This isn't, you're not the soloist in the orchestra anymore. You're one of a hundred positions. And instead of hiring people to run security, businesses are hiring people to be part of a team. And security people are going to have to get better at being part of that cross-functional team, and that includes cyber. And we're just going to have to instill our knowledge into the rest of the business. It's still, Dave Commandant made a comment at ISC West. He was a keynote speaker, and he said, CSO doesn't stand for what you all think. It stands for Chief Sales Officer. And, and and it does, you know, I mean. And Dave's got a big job because he heads up the operations at Boeing, so he should know. Exactly. And, and yet, that's what we do. We sell the value of security, and, and, and that's going to have to carry on for a long time yet to come. Definitely agree with that. Well, if, if folks are interested, uh, security professionals and uh, their bosses, are interested in reaching out to your team uh, to uh, help with uh, consulting or uh, some mentoring and uh, any other type of information, uh, what's the best way to go about doing that? Um, well, hopefully there's lots of ways. Certainly our, our website, securityexecutivecouncil.com, uh, that has lots of ways to contact us. There's also, we're on our fourth version, thousands of free things there for people to pull down, use, and apply. 
and their options. It's not telling you the way to do it. It's saying, here's your proven solutions to select from. Our newsletter, you can sign up for that. At the bottom of every page uh, of our website, there's our link to our uh, YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Twitter page, uh, our LinkedIn page, um, email. Uh, so all of those are open to folks. Um, give me a call. Look me up in the phone book. I'm there. Uh, we belong to most organizations. Um, but the one thing I'd want to say is we're not a group that you get involved with to hang a certificate on your wall. You, you get involved to solve problems and come to us with a problem. That's what we do. Uh, we pay big money for anybody that brings a problem we've never seen before. <laughs> uh, one of our big financial services companies came one time and said, how do you vet a sovereign wealth fund? I said, what's a sovereign wealth fund? I've never heard of it before. He got 10 points for that one. So that was a good one. But bring a problem and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll share with you. We have these conversations all the time with people. No money exchanges hands. It's really a, uh, you know, you asked me what I wanted the SEC to be. I want it to be exactly what it is, but 10 times bigger in 10 years. And I want it to be a resource to the industry that we didn't have. Everybody involved with us says, geez, I could have been so much more successful if I'd known all this stuff. We're, we're trying to give it away. We really are. We're sharing as much as we can. That's why the website's so big. We're more than happy to share that knowledge. So uh, I just encourage people to reach out. Very good. Uh, you know, Bob, you definitely have been a resource for me over the years and much appreciated for that. And uh, uh, I, again, would encourage anybody that's tuning into this podcast today, if they uh, are truly looking to provide a, a roadmap, a strategic roadmap to uh, talk about uh, or how to talk about security, risk and resiliencies in their companies and their organizations, uh, Bob and his team are the ones to talk to. Again, Bob, thanks very much for joining us today. And I'm sure you and I will see each other uh, very soon. All right. We will definitely do that. Thanks, Steve. It's been a pleasure and good luck with this series. I think it's uh, uh, full of opportunity. There is a lot of good DNA out there that has built this industry. And I know you'll, you'll dig it up and we'll, we'll, we'll send some others uh, your way that have been really instrumental in making all this stuff happen, the good stuff that's happening. So I, I'm, count, I'm, I'm counting on tapping some of the resources <laughs> in your group. All right. Very good. Well, again, I encourage everybody to uh, uh, join us in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll be announcing uh, future guests. So uh, until our next broadcast, until our next podcast, this is Steve Lasky with the Security Group. Uh, at SIW Security Technology Executive Security Business and Locksmith Ledger signing off. Well, Steve, I want to thank you and Bob for providing this fascinating and educational discussion about solving the challenges of the security industry for our audience. Just a reminder to our audience, this podcast is for you so you can stay informed about trends in the security industry anytime, anywhere. To access our podcast lineup, go to podbean.com and search for Security DNA. Of course, we'd love to get some feedback from listeners about topics they might be interested in. If you have a suggestion, send an email to 
S. Lasky, L-A-S-K-Y, at securityinfowatch.com. This episode of the Security DNA Podcast was recorded and produced by John Doberstein, Managing Editor of SecurityInfoWatch.com. For Steve Lasky, Bob Hayes, and everyone here at Security InfoWatch, thanks for listening and stay safe out there wherever you may be.